Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn Desrosiers. What would you do if you were unexpectedly about to lose your home? Many of us who've never faced this prospect might think we'd know what to do to fix the situation. Maybe borrow some money, or take a second job, or look for a more affordable place to live. But is it really that simple? Carolyn, I think that if that were the case, we wouldn't be seeing many of our Fox Valley neighbors homeless or entering into the reality of having no place to call home, because the reasons for homelessness are far more complex than we might imagine, and that means that the simple solutions we might come up with really aren't that simple. The truth is that a lot of households in Wisconsin are struggling. In 2018, 34% of Wisconsin's 2.3 million households still struggled to make ends meet. And while 11% of those households were living below the federal poverty level, another 23%, more than twice as many, were ALICE households, which stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. These households earned above the federal poverty level, but not enough to afford basic necessities. That was four years ago, before COVID, and before the affordable housing crisis really took hold. Let's put those numbers into a more local context. We know from Project Rush that on any given day, there are an average of 350 people who are struggling with homelessness in the Fox Cities. 350 people a day. Project RUSH stands for Research to Understand and Solve Homelessness, and it's an initiative we've supported in our area to learn directly from people experiencing homelessness or the hidden homeless. Think individuals living on a friend's couch or a family doubled up and staying with another family, people who are precariously housed. Our listeners may recall an earlier podcast episode we did where we interviewed a young mom named Amber who found herself in that very situation. Her story was part of a series we're doing on the affordable housing crisis in Northeast Wisconsin. We'll link up the full interview in our show notes today. Carolyn, I think it would be helpful to set the table for this episode by playing a small part of Amber's story so that you can hear why it happened to her and what it felt like. Take a listen. The mental part of it is so hard because you feel like a failure. You're stressed out. There was kind of a perfect storm of bad circumstances for us. Four years ago, the duplex that we were renting um, was being sold. We were being managed by a property management company, and our landlord had moved out of state, and he opted to sell the property. So we were given 60 days to try to find a place. So... It became a mad scramble to try to figure out what to do. And ultimately, we ran out of time and we couldn't find anywhere. We couldn't find anywhere that was, you know, within our budget, within our time frame. And we simply ran out of options. The mental part of it is taxing in ways that you can't explain to a person that's never dealt with it. And this is a very real problem. And I think that the reason that we have so many misconceptions are because people just simply don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. It feels really terrible to live a life of comfort and stability and to know that there are people very near your living area, people, families that your child may attend school with who are food insecure, 
who may not have a roof over their head that night, who may be sleeping in their cars. When things were really kind of bottom of the barrel for me, it just felt hopeless. Every step of the way, every mistake that I made, I will own 100%, but I absolutely will not bear shame. Because if this can happen to my family, it can happen to anyone's. That was Amber Edwards, and her story about trying to keep her family together in an apartment they could afford is pretty amazing. And if you haven't heard it yet, you'll want to click on the link that we're going to put in our show notes today. We at the Community Foundation have been working with numerous nonprofit organizations in communities throughout the Fox Valley who are boots on the ground and helping people who are experiencing homelessness And they do this with the power of many people who support them through volunteering or through generous donations. One of those nonprofits is Pillars, headquartered in Appleton, which provides shelter, support, and solutions to address the housing needs in our community. We're going to hear from the executive director of Pillars to find out what that looks like in our area and how people who've never experienced homelessness might want to look at this in a whole new way. Back in a moment. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region is a great resource for making a local impact while simplifying your charitable giving through a tax-deductible charitable fund. Perhaps you're passionate about certain organizations or want to support causes such as education or pets at the animal shelter, or you're interested in addressing the greatest needs of the community. When you partner with us, we'll share our local knowledge so that you can make a difference today and always. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org. Welcome back. We are joined now by Joe Moffey, the Executive Director of Pillars in Appleton. And for people experiencing homelessness, Pillars is one of the go-to places for uh, shelter and support. So welcome, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here, Amy. We're so glad we get to talk with you, Joe. You know, one of the things we want to talk with you about is when, when we think about people experiencing homelessness in our communities, for anyone who's never experienced it, we might have a picture in our minds of what homelessness looks like. Can you paint a picture for us of the reality versus what we might think homelessness is? That's a, it's a great question. And it's a, it's a hard question to answer. I would say, you know, to some degree, whatever picture you have in your mind is probably true. And probably a dozen or more other pictures of that. So if you have the classic movie screen TV set, somebody under a bridge living in their car, that kind of last uh, step of maybe desperation before I before I get some help, that's true. And that's true in our community. We have a street outreach team that's connecting with 50 to 60 people per month um, who are in similar situations, who are unsheltered or are very precariously housed. So that's true. And if your stereotype is one of somebody who's had addictions, um, uh, that's true. That's that that's true as well. And if your stereotype or if, if what you're thinking or not thinking is somebody who everything was going fine and then something fell apart, like my spouse died or I lost my job unexpectedly or I had some medical bills that I couldn't pay. So I ended up in this spot because it, that's true too. The The amount of variety and complexity um, that we see 
is across the board. So the it is literally this could happen to any one of us to some degree. And then there are some examples that are maybe so extreme that you couldn't imagine ever being that one. But all of that happens in our community and is evidenced by you know two shelters and 130 people every night that don't have another place to put their head down other than on a pillow in one of our shelters. Well, you know, and, and we've never experienced homelessness, but I imagine it's a scary thing. And Joe, you're seeing clients who've never experienced homelessness before. How does Pillars begin to offer help and hope? Yeah, it's the, you know, and we want we want homelessness to be unfamiliar. We talk about, we want that experience to be, if it happens, um, for it to be rare and for it to be one time. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing is not only if, if you get to a episode of homelessness, be it the first time, second or third, that we have the capacity and the services to address that. Those are typically shelter services and, and all of the supports around that. A big push for us recently has been trying to get farther upstream on that. So, so we've, um, especially through the pandemic, we've kind of doubled down on what we call our prevention and diversion work. So we connect people and we really want to talk to people before you get to that episode of homelessness, before you hit that low point. Um, and what we found is we can offer more help, we can do it more economically, and the success rate is a lot higher. So we've got... Um, two to three people who are focused on connecting with people who are not yet homeless and say, what can we do to keep you where you are, to stabilize you? And that might be, again, keep you employed, or it might be a car repair, or it might be helping you find a different place to live. But let's all do that while you still got some stability in place. And what we found is our success rate there is 90% of the people we serve in that program don't experience homelessness, as we've defined it, in the next couple of years. So we want to get upstream. We want to stop it before it ever happens. That's the best way to do it. But if it does happen, and we know that it does, then we need to be there with the basics of a place to sleep and a meal and a place to get yourself clean and then um, support, uh, support that with case management to move to something more stable. I love that idea of getting upstream, Joe, and it's exciting to hear what your success rate is when you're able to connect with people before they experience homelessness. Yeah. Joe, a few years ago, Pillars came into being when three different organizations working on different aspects of homelessness decided to come together um, and become one organization. And um, our community foundation was pleased to be able to help with that transition. Can you tell our listeners more about Pillars and this kind of unique um, coming together that happened? Yeah, uh, yeah, thanks. And yeah, and Community Foundation was instrumental in making that happen. Our our big idea, which was also founded out of a, a community foundation project called Project Rush, is how do we, how can we serve this community better, better understand homelessness and how we serve it. And what we had at that point were three agencies, um, one called Homeless Connections, which um, uh, was offering kind of family shelter um, and, and, a, and a pretty mature set of um, services to go around that. And one that we had called the Fox Valley Warming Shelter, which was an overnight um, shelter um, for, um, uh, for for people experiencing homelessness. It was for singles, the, and you know, and that popped up because um, there was a need in the community community to um, uh, provide services to people who had criminal backgrounds and were struggling with addictions and things like that. 
And the third um, agency, and that was a housing partnership, was a, was a housing solution, supportive housing. So the, that step out of shelter and the step beyond that to offer um, affordable housing for that stability. And our, our idea with that was if we put those together, we will be better able to serve the community, more efficient, and we'll be able to work together better. And um, I think in a lot of ways that's, that's materialized. And we've seen some of that over the last year in the pandemic. Yeah, we have. And, you know, speaking of the, the pandemic, you know, right now, uh, we're, we're kind of heading into some precarious times. We're not really sure what the future holds. No one has a crystal ball, but we do know that we're seeing rents and mortgages at an all-time high, and really affordable housing is hard to come by. How has this environment impacted people in the Fox Valley, and are you seeing an influx of new clients? Yeah, you 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 hit it, Amy. The 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 magic in all of this has always been what comes next, you know, from a, from a homelessness and a housing stability standpoint. And the answer to that is always affordable housing. And the cause of a lot of um, homelessness that we see is the lack of affordable housing. And there's other things at play. Um, you know, a lot of times people maybe simplistically look at it and say, well, if your shelters are full and you have a wait list, we need bigger shelters. And our focus has always been maybe but we'd rather put the emphasis on the next step, on getting into a place where you got a key to the front door and you've got some stability and can move. So we've always focused on supportive housing, affordable housing, and, and so on. And that is really tough in the country, but in our community as well. You know, our the, the latest numbers I saw, our rental vacancy rate is less than 3% in this area right now. You know, and if you think about it, that's probably the, that's a, that's as low as it'll go because there's turnover and that, that, you know, takes a little bit of time. Um, so there is a lot of competition um, for rental uh, properties um, or rental units. Um, and that makes it hard. And if you've got any blemishes on your record, if you've got, you know, if, if, if you don't have a longer term job, if you got any criminal history, you just don't compare, right? And we've got people who are renting down as well. So, you know, the, the people can afford more from a rental unit, but they don't necessarily want to pay that probably for a variety of reasons. And they'll rent and that really compresses the bottom end of our rental market. And that's where our folks are. You know, people who are at 30%, 40%, 50% of our, of our area median income. Um, I think um, uh, the latest stats I saw on that are for people who are in that extremely low income category there are 650 units available and there is a need for six times that given the population we have in the household incomes. So there's just not enough to go around. And if you can find something, you probably stretch yourself. And that's a little bit of prolonging the inevitable because if you're paying more than 30% and we've got almost 10% of people paying 50% of their household income for their rent, there's not enough for everything else. And as soon as something breaks or somebody gets sick, it falls apart. And when that falls apart, then we end up kind of repeating that cycle and coming through our doors uh, at shelter. That's Joe Mothy, executive director of Pillars. Carolyn, you know, it's easy for us as listeners to say to ourselves, well, if I were homeless, here's what I would do to fix it. But that's not really a helpful mindset to have, is it? No, not really, Amy. I think we have to have more empathy and willingness to learn about the realities of this topic. Joe's going to explain more about that in part two of our interview with him, 
and steps we can take to increase our understanding. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Marunk with Godfrey and Khan in Appleton. As a board member and volunteer for the Community Foundation of the Fox Valley Region, I'm honored to help our donors invest in the community that has given them so much. Thanks to the Community Foundation, donors of all levels and backgrounds can direct their generosity to nonprofits that impact lives, ensuring that together we flourish. To learn more about giving, please go to cffoxvalley.org. You may have heard it said, we don't have an affordable housing crisis, we have an income crisis. We asked Joe Mothy of Pillars what he thought of that statement. Here's what he had to say in part two of our interview. It's a it's a good point, and I would say you know I, I always um, shy away from either or kind of things. Um, you could solve that problem either way, right? Either the either rent goes down or income goes up, and it solves the equation the same way. I think what we have to look at then is what is the ability for both of those, and what we see is a lot of times some some mitigated personal ability to to increase income. And that's what we're always doing is trying to first stabilize, second, increase income and potential. Um, but that's a that can be a tough thing to do. Um, one of the things I remind people of, of, for people who experience homelessness, we have to remember that is typically here and, and maybe nationally as well, that is about one half of 1% of your population. So when people do the, but if that were me, I would do this, we have to understand that it's probably not you. It's not somebody who has the personal kind of background skills or assets that you have. Um, it's somebody who is struggling with mental health. And we know that might be struggling with addictions, might be struggling with um, some, some physical disabilities. So the best answer is always get a good job and make a lot of money in, in, in this world. That is um, in many cases, uh, um, hard to accomplish um, for a lot of individuals. And it takes a while to get there. If you haven't set yourself up um, with the proper education, or the hardest of all things is if you are a single parent who's also spent any time in poverty, that is a really tough path and it doesn't get fixed, even though you see help wanted signs all around town. That does not, that's not an issue that, unless you're pretty exceptional, um, that gets fixed in three months, six months, 12 months. I mean, we see people who are working hard at it, and that's a multi-year path to, to get on the track that you want to be on. Yeah, I appreciate your response to that. I mean, it is so complex, and I know there are so many barriers to employment. It's not like it's about the will to, to work or to increase your income. Childcare is such a huge barrier for so many, so appreciate your thoughts on that. And I want to ask you, um, you know, back in August, the CDC put in place an eviction moratorium to make sure that renters living in counties with high rates of COVID infections could not be evicted. And a few months ago, that moratorium expired. Now we see eviction filings are increasing across Wisconsin. Are you seeing that impact here locally in the Fox Valley? 
I don't have great stats on, on that. Um, I think we are seeing there have been more evictions. You know, it's a it it um, it popped up a little bit. I, I just uh, read something that said the eviction rate is rising, but it's still um, not at what it's been on average. Uh, you know, and that kind of comes and goes from from month to month a little bit. One of the things that we're seeing is I think a, a, a stigma uh, associated with people who might have taken rental assistance or been evicted during this time and other landlords are leery to rent to them. And again, in a highly competitive um, rental market that I, I, I mentioned earlier, um, all of a sudden you fall to the bottom of the list. So there's this uh, unintended uh, consequence of having taken rental assistance or or been evicted during this time, that is a bigger black mark for some landlords um, than it has been in the past. Um, the other thing on that that I that I remind people is when, with the more when the moratorium kind of ended, we were we were watching this to see what happened, you know, and we we weren't necessarily expecting a a huge influx of homelessness. What we were expecting was a churn of people experiencing homelessness because for everybody that moves out or is evicted from an apartment, that also opens it up. And we had people who for months were sitting in shelter doing all of the right things, meaning um, they were working, they were saving their money, they were getting ready for their apartment, but they couldn't get one because it kind of locked up from, a, from the moratorium standpoint. So they were waiting. And when somebody else loses that after the moratorium, then we had somebody moving in. So what we were doing, and Amy, you mentioned it earlier, we were getting ready for more experiences of first time homelessness um, but also knowing we were readying people to take advantage of now open units that they've been preparing themselves for. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've seen some uh, great videos on your website over at Pillars, uh, and we'll put the link in our, our show notes today uh, of uh, how you reach out, how you help people who are first time uh, experiencers of homelessness and uh, uh, your counselors uh, really uh, do such a great job at outreach. So thank you for providing that that wonderful service. Absolutely. You know, one of the other things that we did, and this was, I wish we would have done it earlier, but, but with that realization that people may be coming to us from the first time and didn't know their way through our system, we honestly didn't have it when you called and if you got our phone tree, it wasn't that helpful. Um, or I shouldn't say it was, it, it was, it was maybe confusing, especially if you hadn't been through some of this before, you know, press one for this and two for this. So what we did was we added a position again, going on that front end and trying to get more upstream. So we added a position to take those calls live, start talking to somebody. And then when we start talking, say, can we get you into that prevention program that we talked about? Or what is the best option? And how can I most efficiently get you into the shelter that best meets your needs and your qualifications? Um, so we wanted to make it a kind of a warmer touch on the front end, knowing that we could triage better and start providing assistance better, as well as referring to partner agencies who might be a better um, source for some of the assistance needed as well. You know, I'm sure that we have listeners who are hearing this episode and just wondering, how do I get involved? Joe, what are some things we can do here in the Fox Valley to help? Boy, there's so much. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do at Pillars, we our our business model, if you will, depends on volunteers. Because you know, when I talk about 130 people at two shelters every night, that is also 130 people who need to be fed breakfast and dinner every day. 
Um, and that's a big job. And we've got a great community that volunteers to, to help us with that. Um, that's one of the places that we suffered most over the last year and a half, and or understandably so, is that people were reluctant um, to come into shelter and, and, and volunteer and be out in public and, and, and all of that. And a lot of that about has bounced back, but we still um, have a lot of openings. It used to be if you called and said, I want to serve a meal, we'd say, well, maybe six months, I'll, I'll fit you in. And now every week we're, we're going um, open on some of those spots and finding different ways to fill it. So volunteering is huge for us. In a typical year, we'll have 25,000 hours of volunteer time and a lot of it on those kind of things, serving meals and kind of being at the front desk and, and helping. That's great. Um, of course, it goes without saying financial support is great because all of our work, as much, as, as much value as there is in the building and the bed, and the blanket and the pillow and the front door, um, and that is irreplaceable. Um, the real support and the magic and the help and the progress comes in a relationship with the person, a case manager or a role we call shelter client advocate um, that interacts with somebody and understands from that beginning point, I said, homelessness can happen in so many ways. They wanna know, but what's your way? And more importantly, what are your strengths? And what are your goals? And now how do we channel all of that to a better future? So for us, a lot of it, you know, 80% of the, the cost of pillars is the people who deliver those services. Um, so volunteering, volunteerism is great. Awareness um, is great. Um, and financial support um, is obviously um, part and parcel of what we do as well. Joe, thank you so much for taking this time to talk with us. And we at the foundation have seen and we know how you and your staff at Pillars and your volunteers have just gone above above and beyond um, during the pandemic to serve people. And we so appreciate it. Um, you're doing such great work over there and, and we thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I say all the time, we, we only can do this work and do do this work because this community cares about it. And the Community Foundation is probably um, one of the best representative examples of what this community is in, in terms of that, that place where people care about the dignity, respect, and well-being of all of those around us. And I uh, appreciate the the support you and the community at large gives us to be able to do this. It's all, it really, we talk a lot about we're all on the same team. We just have different roles to make it happen. We are indeed. And we really appreciate this, Joe. So thank you for sharing this with us. We will be right back. That was Joe Mothy, Executive Director of Pillars, and we'll have all the links to the resources in our program notes today. That's all the time we have for this episode of Voices from the Valley. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region.